Hello. Thanks for connecting to the teachings of Prophet Lovi Elias. May you be blessed by this teaching and may your life never be the same. To get the most value from this word, empty your heart and be ready to receive. If you have been impacted by this ministry and want to sow into it, please visit prophetlovi.com or revelationchurchla.org. Today's Palm Sunday. So, it is really a week that is so significant to us as believers. And when I found out that I had this assignment for today, I said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> what do you want me to talk about? And it's interesting because when we look at historic moments like that in the Bible, it's very easy sometimes to get caught up in the story and it becomes history. And it is history. The Bible itself is a historical document. It is history. And so Palm Sunday, everything that happened, it is historic. But unless we can pull the relevance of that for us today, it just remains a story. Come on, come on. It just remains a story. So we're going to read a bit before you sit. So just hang with me. We're going to go to John chapter 12. Verse 1 to 28. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 28. Amen. Let me actually read it in the King James. <laughs> All right. It says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This is said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Look at your neighbor and say, may God make you a walking testimony. May God, may God make, make you, you a walking, walking testimony. testimony. Hallelujah. Verse 10. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon. As it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, Thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him. And that they had done these things unto him. 
The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was in Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Hmm. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve him, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve him, him, shall, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Let's read verse 28 together. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Again. Hallelujah. You may be seated in heavenly place. All right, let's go. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Look at your neighbor and just tell them, May God be glorified in your life. May God be glorified in your life. Look at your other neighbor and tell them, encourage them, tell them, let the Lord be encouraged in your life. Let the Lord be encouraged in your life. Or be glorified in your life. Right? Or be glorified in your life. Let the Lord be encouraged. <laughs> so, Palm Sunday. I wanted to read from the account of John just because it's the only account, even though the triumphal entry is referenced in all the Gospels, it's only John that actually specifically tells us that it was palm leaves that, was thrown, that were thrown on the path before Jesus. And that was an interesting fact because then as I started looking into it, I was like, huh, palm trees, why palm trees? And we're going to get into all of that because, I mean, we call this Palm Sunday. But this account that we have read in John chapter 12, there's so many things that are happening. And when it comes to God being glorified in our lives, the thing about the glory of God or glory, it's only God's. The glory is only God's. Nobody else has any glory. Nobody else can have any glory Unless God is associated with it. Glory is the Lord's. But then there's something that God does with us. And it's him reflecting his glory on us. So that when people see that glory, it then becomes like a map or an arrow that's pointing back to the source of that glory. And so when Jesus is talking to his disciples in all this account that we've read, he says... The hour has come 
for the Son to be glorified. The time has come for the Son to be glorified. And in that moment, finally he gets to verse 28 where we read, he says, Father, glorify the name. And the Lord God answers and said, a voice was heard. It was audible. And he says, I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. So my question for you this morning is, are you willing to glorify God in your life? Because at the end of the day, it comes down to that. Are you willing to let God be glorified in your life? So when you look at Palm Sunday, it's all this jubilation. People are celebrating. They're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But for us, instead of the celebration at the core of this day is a picture of Jesus being completely yielded and submitted to the path that God has for him. And so it is him saying, God, I know that my entry to Jerusalem is leading to the cross. So I'm not coming out of this alive, not in the sense that men think, but I know what comes after the death. But I am willing to walk down this path knowing that it is leading me right to the cross. I'm not escaping this, but guess what? I'm not trying to escape it either because the glory is attached to the cross. Come on. Hallelujah. The glory is attached to the cross. So if I will be glorified, there's no other way. There's no other way. And so he's talking to his disciples. He tells them, he tells them the hour has come for the son to be glorified. And it's interesting when this happens, when you read all the account, it is when the Greeks that are in the place to celebrate the feast and the feast is the feast of Passover. That leads us to the very crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God being offered up. What happened to the children of Israel, how God saved. It was just a foreshadow of what was about to happen this week that we're entering in. And so the Greeks that are there, they come and they want to see Jesus. The Greeks are the Gentiles. They were not part of the the immediate assignment of Jesus to Israel at that time. He said, I have been sent to the sheep of Israel. That was my assignment. Those, those are the people that I've come for. And so it's interesting that when these Greeks now come, these are Gentiles. At that moment, Jesus says, the hour has come. The hour has come for the son to be glorified. And so he tells them in verse 24, he says, except a grain of wheat, a grain of corn dies, a kernel, except it dies, except it be buried and dies, it abides alone. The only way for the fruitfulness that will bring the reaping or the harvest of even the Gentiles. I am the seed that must be planted in the ground. I have to die. I have to die. Because now the news is spreading. All the hearts of people are being awakened that even Gentiles desire to come to the Lord. He says the hour is now. I have to do this. I can't delay this anymore. The hour is come. Hmm. Somebody say, Father, glorify thy name. Father, Father, glorify glorify thy thy name. name. The glory of God is at stake in your life. The glory of God is at stake in your bodily existence. 
the glory of God is at stake. It's very easy for us to get caught up in the place of, I've been saved, I've been redeemed, amen, I'm going to heaven, I'm blessed, I have life, so let me go about my business, success is mine, all these things. But the glory of God is at stake in your life. God has a need. God has a need. Many times we recognize our need for God. We recognize how we cannot be without God. We recognize how we need him to sustain us. We recognize how we need him. We need him. Yes, and indeed we do. But God also has a need. And God's need is for him to be glorified. Come on. God's need is for him to be glorified. Yes. And so he looks and is asking and is searching who is willing to glorify me who is willing to glorify me because it will cost something it will cost something that's good it looks glamorous it looks great seeing jesus people applauding him be like man i want to be like jesus everybody you know uh celebrity status like everybody's praising me but that's death for jesus teach us that's death for Jesus. No life of his own. No life of his own. Who will glorify me? That's God's need. And he's looking. He's searching. He's looking at us in Revelation Church this morning. He said, who will glorify me? Amen. Who will glorify me? And it's so, so dear to the heart of God, his glory, that he will do almost anything, even crush his son. Mm. Wow. The Bible says it pleased him wow. to crush him. It pleased the Lord to crush Jesus for his glory, for the sake of his glory. For the sake of his glory. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, it says, Lay aside the sin that uh, easily befalls you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He said, Who for the glory that was set before him? He endured the cross for the glory that was set before him. He endured the cross. We hear it all the time, but it's true. No cross, no glory. Come on. No cross, no glory. Come on. We want to have our cake and eat it too. You know? Help us. Apostle Jamie did a phenomenal job of stirring up and provoking our spirit on Thursday to realize, listen, it's one or the other. This doesn't work. It doesn't work. You got to have your feet together, planted. Planted. Yes. 
A tree cannot have roots. In, it doesn't work. It doesn't even exist. The tree roots goes into that particular soil. You got to choose. Yeah. You have to choose. And if we're here for the kingdom, then that's where we need to stand. Recognizing that if I have been sent, yes. then it is to represent yes. God. Yes. Amen. His glory is at stake. Yes. So if God is seated in the heavens and he's looking and he's saying, who will go for us? And he's saying, hey, I'm going to position you. I'm going to assign you. I'm going to strategically, intentionally do certain things in your life as my ambassador because it is there that I want my glory to be displayed. Yes, yes. I want my glory to be displayed. And so then it is our job to be conscious of this always. This is not something you can forget. The glory of God is to be seen in every area of your life. Come on. Every area of your life. God wants his glory to be revealed. Yes. He says in Matthew, he says, we are a city on a hill. Yeah. A city, a light that is set up. It is not to be hidden, but so we can shine. But what is the shining for? To what end are we to shine? He Ooh. says, so that men will see your good work yes. and then they will glorify your Father yes. which is in heaven. Come on. Hallelujah. So them seeing is not to the end of us looking good. It's not to the end of us appearing to have it together. It's not to the end of us appearing to be better than they are. It's to the end of them knowing that we are not here by ourselves. And us pointing them back to say, oh, hold on. This glory is not for me. It is for him. This glory is not for me. It is for him. I did not get myself here. He did that. I did not get myself through this situation. He He did did that. that. I did not carry myself through this valley. He He did did that. that. Come on. He did that. Yes. He did that. Yes. The issue is sometimes we forget to give the shine back to God. Come on. Yes. As if we could have done it without him. Come on. You bask in it. Oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. We bask in it. Mm. We are afraid to be honest. Mm. We are afraid to show our scars. We are afraid. We want to cover it up, but in the scar is the power of God. In the scar is the miracle of God. In the scar. Oh my God. Hallelujah. It's in the scars. It's in the scars. Yes. So that people will look at you and say, oh, they don't even know you have a scar. But when you begin to show your scar, they say, wait a minute. That kind of looks like my scar. But how come you don't have trauma? How come you're not still dealing with this issue? How come you're not still battling with this? How come you seem to have made it through? This scar looks like mine. This scar looks like mine. But how come you're doing okay? How come you're doing fine? How come? Hallelujah. It's him. It's him. It's him. It pleased the Lord to crush him. Come wow. on. It pleased the Lord to crush him. Wow. Teach. That's why he says in Peter, don't look surprised. Mm. As if what's happening to you is foreign. You're not that special. Mm. Come on. You're not. Come on. You think what you're going through, you're the only person. You're not that special. Come on. He says, don't think it's strange. There's nothing new under the sun. 
Somebody else went through it too. Yeah, yeah. Teaching good. Somebody else went through it too. He says, don't think it's strange of this trial that is befalling you. But there is a purpose for the trial because it is bringing out a faith in you that has been refined as faith, as gold through the fire. Wow. There is a purpose. There is a purpose. Yes. Oh, there is a purpose. Yes. Somebody say, Father, glorify thy name. Father, glorify thy name. You may be seated. You may sit for two minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, glorify your name. Yes. God cares about his glory. He says, I won't share it with nobody. Any other thing, even his very life, the essence of who he is, he gave to us. But he says, my glory, I won't give it to anybody. I won't share it. So when God reflects on you, he wants you to point back to him. He wants you to point back to him. John 15, 8. I want us to read that. This is Jesus talking about the parable of the vine and the branches and the husbandman. But this verse, he says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Mm-mm-mm. The glory of God is in your fruitfulness. So then when you begin to say, Lord, be glorified in my life, you don't even need God to evaluate you. You can evaluate yourself. Are you fruitful? Because he said he is glorified in that we bear much fruit. And so back in John 12, 23, 24, when he's saying, Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it rises up fruitful, unto fruitfulness. Unto fruitfulness. So now he's saying, my father is glorified in your fruitfulness. But there's something interesting. Actually, let's go to John 15. I wasn't going to read that, but let's read it. John 15. Because the process of God, or how much God pursues this fruitfulness, and once you understand that that's attached to him getting glory, you begin to see how much God is after his glory. John chapter 15. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. But Lord, I've been faithful. Lord, I've been following you. Lord, I've been doing everything you've asked me to do. He says, yeah, that's why I'm crushing you. That's why. You know, you can read... 
scripture and just kind of sit in that like, oh yeah, when the branch doesn't bear fruit, he tosses it in the fire. And the branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Mm. So it bears more fruit. Oh, it sounds good, but do you understand what pruning is? Come on, come on. Teach us, teach us. There is cutting. There is shifting. It's uncomfortable. Pruning is uncomfortable. So if you think that you being faithful and you following God, as we will go back to John 12, you will see, but you being in faith is actually qualifying you for the crushing. Come on. You don't walk in faith. You don't obey God. You don't do all these things to escape the crushing. Because sometimes we, you know, we don't say it, but we kind of seem to have that kind of idea. That I'll be with God and it's God. No, peace is mine. Yes, peace is yours in the midst of the storm. Yeah, come on. So good. Teach. In the midst of. He says it's a peace that passes understanding because you will be in some things that will not make sense. That's why you have to have the peace that will pass understanding to hold you together. Yes. It's a trust thing. Because he sees this branch. Okay, you're not bearing fruit. Okay, you're not of use to me. I need my glory. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this one, you're bearing fruit. Okay, great. Let's prune you. So that you can bear even more fruit. Yes. So that you can bear even more fruit. Yes. Because I am glorified in that you bear much fruit. So don't think... That you walking out the will of God and pursuing his purpose for your life and your commitment to faith and obedience is for an easy life. Mm, And that's why when we look at Palm Sunday, let's begin to look at it with different lenses. Because it looks glorious. But to Jesus, as much fruit as he had borne in his earthly ministry for the last three years, he was fruitful. He was fruitful to the point that the Pharisees are plotting to kill him because they're saying everybody's after this man. He was fruitful. He was making noise. People were, he was becoming a a, a disturbance for them. Jesus was fruitful. But now for the next level of fruitfulness, God says, I need to purge you. I need to prune you. So he's coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, knowing this is the path to my next level. This is the path to my next glory. I'm here to tell somebody today that thing that is pricking your sight, that issue that you're trying to run away from, don't run from it. Your glory is attached to it. Go through it. Walk through the path that God has laid before you. Don't run away. Comfort has become a thief of glory in the body of Christ. Come on. Teaching good. Comfort has become a thief of the glory of God in the church. We want comfort. We want to be comfortable. We want things to go our way. It needs to be smooth sailing. I am a Christian. I'm a believer. Come on. Come on. It's not comfort. So you think, God, but you you sent me here, God. How come it's not working? God is saying, yes, I sent you. Mm -hmm. I did send you. Wow. It's not a mistake. You heard me. Wow. You know you can find yourself in places that make you say, hold on, let me go back to the prayer class. Because I thought I heard God, but this Come is not on. looking like, uh, 
Come on. Come on. Come on. I thought God told me. You're teaching. Let me go back. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, so God. Good. Did I not hear? Wow. God is saying, no, you heard. You, wow. you did hear. You heard very clear. This is exactly where I want you to be. Wow. Come on. This is exactly where I want you to be. Stop thinking that every attack, every storm is the devil. No. Jesus said, my heart is troubled. Yes, it is troubled. It's not going to be easy. Let's not pretend. It's not. Jesus said, my heart is troubled. Wow. But what will I tell the father to deliver me from this hour? Do I tell him, Lord, let me escape? Do I ask him, God, let me not go down this path? He said, but for this hour, I came. Yes. He deals, it with, he deals with it again in the garden. He says, God, this, this is heavy. This is heavy. It's, if it was up to me, Lord, if it was up to me, you are God. I'm sure you can come up with another way. We don't have to go this way. You're God. You can create. I mean, you're God. Is this the only way for me to learn whatever lesson? Is this the only way for me to attain? Is this the only way? Really, there's no other way. He said, if it's up to me, let this cup pass. Mm. Wow. But nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will. Woo! Not my will. Come on. Not my will. You have to be honest. You know, we look at Jesus and I'm grateful for passages like that because they remind us, yes, he was the God man. Because otherwise, some of us, you know, you start feeling like, man, I'm not really a faithful Christian right now. I'm not really a believer because of this, this, this thought process that I'm dealing with, that I'm battling with. And I love how Papa Lou says that, you know, your doubt doesn't, it doesn't shake God. It's okay to be honest. Amen. Lord, this thing hurts. <laughs> this thing hurts right now. I don't like this road, but the only assurance I have is that there is glory after this. Yes. Amen. There's glory after this. Yes. I don't know how, but that's my comfort. Mm. That's my comfort. And that's why he's able to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Why? Because I know your will is perfect. Because I know your will is good. I know your will is your thoughts and your thoughts for me are good. So even though this doesn't seem good, it's still going to produce good. And so that's why you can be confident to say all things work together for the good of those who love God. Who are called according to his purpose. Because you will find yourself in places. You will find yourself in situations. You will find yourself in circumstances. And God is saying, but I've called you according to my purpose. I've called you according to my purpose. And that's why we have to remember. We have to remember, remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. As they were singing this morning, all my life you've been faithful. There's things that you will come and face that you have to go back and say, but even that situation when I thought... I was going to die back then. I didn't die. I'm still here. Yes. When I thought I wouldn't ever get over that hurt, that pain, I thought 
That will be the end of me. I really thought I would carry that for the rest of my life. Mm. But I'm here and God has lifted this burden. God has delivered me. So this thing, mm. I don't know how this is about to be, but God, I'm going to remember that one place. On. You brought me out of that, so I know you're going to bring me out of this. And then yes. this too yes. will become yes. a reference point for me. It will become yes. something that I remind myself of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The glory of God is at stake in your life. Wow. The glory of God is at stake in your life. Mm. It's at stake in your life. When you said yes to Jesus. When you said yes to Jesus. He said you are going to now be part of my glory. You're going to begin to reflect me. But there's a process. Let's go back to John chapter 12. When you read in the beginning. It says, then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead. Whom he raised from the dead. Let's stop right there. Chapter before this is when Jesus raises Lazarus. So now Lazarus, even as you continue in the chapter, as we read earlier, it says that now the Pharisees, they even want to kill Lazarus because the fact that he is living and walking and breathing, it's like, we need to cut off this. Like, this is not working for us. Like, we need to eliminate not only Jesus, but we need to eliminate Lazarus. He became a target by association. Understand that when you said yes to Jesus, you became a target by association. Come on. You became a target by association. His testimony, even if they say whatever they want about Jesus, people ask, but what about this guy? Because he raised him from the dead. He is evidence, tangible evidence. Of the power of God. He is tangible evidence of the, the, the resurrection power that Jesus had. But how did Lazarus even get to this stage? When you say yes to Jesus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. That It wasn't even a secret friendship. People knew that he was a friend of Jesus. So when Lazarus falls sick, how do they tell Jesus? They don't say Lazarus is dead. They say your friend, Lazarus is sick, rather, sorry, not dead. But your friend, Lazarus is sick. Your friend, Lazarus is sick. He's your friend. So surely because he's your friend, I mean, even if you don't attend to other people speedily, this is your friend. So we think you're going to kind of rush and handle because he's your friend. Because he's your friend. You know there's some prayers that we pray that are so dangerous. <laughs> that she don't even understand. God, I want to be your friend. God, I want to be close to you. He said, okay. There's levels, you know. You can be a child of God. You can be a child of God. Yes, Lord. He's responsible for you. No problem. I will handle you. You're a child. You can also be a servant of God. You know? 
You serve God. His purposes. There's some level now. You kind of, it's not so much shared responsibility, but there is a responsibility that you have back to him because there's instructions he gives you. There's things you have to execute. You're a servant. But then there is a friend. A son. At this place, yes, big difference. You serve, yes, but we share. The mission is not only mine, it's now ours because you have the burden of your friend. You're concerned with the thing that your friend is concerned about. When you look at Moses, who is one of our deeper references of somebody that walked with God at this level because of how he was introduced to him through Jethro, right? Very well, friend of God. He entered this dimension. And as you watch the story of Moses, even taking the children of Israel out, they're literally sharing this burden with God. Moses gets tired and said, God, these are your people. Moses gets to, uh, God gets tired and says, Moses, these are your people. They shared the burden. They shared the burden. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. But what we think friendship means to Jesus, when he heard his friend Lazarus is dead, he said, oh, okay, no problem. This sickness is not unto death. I'm not going to go right away. Because he was his friend. Because he was his friend. When you are a friend of Jesus, it's a level of trust that he can have in you. You see it in Job too. But it's him being able to say, it's okay. Because you're my friend, you should be okay with me letting you down for what you thought it was. Because I have something else that I have for you. Because you're my friend, you can handle me kind of disappointing you. Because I have something else. Because you're my friend. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You should know me a little deeper than other people. Come so on. just because wow. it didn't happen the way that you thought oh, it would. You're my friend. So you should defend me even in your thoughts. You should defend me even in your heart. Ooh, come on. When the things come, you should be able to say, but this is my friend. I know him. No, if he didn't do this, there must be a reason. Come on. But many of us have not crossed to that place. Yes. So when it doesn't happen, you say, Lord, you've forgotten me. Wow. Lord, where are you? Lord, I don't see you. Lord, this is why I didn't want to do this. This is why I know trusting God is not dependable. This is why I had to have a plan B. Come on. Sheesh. Because he was his friend. Yes. Jesus knew, okay, he's my friend. I can handle, or he can handle the temporary disappointment. He can handle it. He's my friend. He can handle it. So other people are looking and thinking, Jesus, even the disciples, they say, oh, but your friend, are we not going to go? He says, no, his, his sickness is not unto death. And finally, Lazarus dies. He says, he's only sleeping. The disciples don't get it. He finally tells him he's dead. And it's like, oh, dang, okay. So you didn't go, now he's dead. Like, I mean, you should have gone when you could go, but okay. He's dead. But the temporary disappointment. Ah, I encourage myself with this today. 
I did. Because what we think is good. What we think is the answer. What we think is the mark. Sometimes Jesus says, no, I have so much better for you. So I am now in a place where I can say, thank you, Lord, that that didn't happen when I wanted it to. Come on. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't get this when I wanted it. Thank you, God, that this thing did not turn out the way I thought it should. Thank you, Lord, because what you had was better. Tell me, which one sounds better? Jesus came and healed Lazarus from a sickness. Or Jesus came and raised Lazarus from the dead. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which one? Right. Which one? Come on. Because he healed other people. He healed other people. Right. Four days. Four days. When the Sadducees say, oh, after this for sure the spirit is on. He waited. He said, all of you, I want everybody to conclude your report. Everybody put your conclusion. Everybody give your assumption. Some people have concluded about you. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you this morning. What God has for you. What God has for you. Yes. They thought. Yes. They thought. They thought, they thought it looked like, it seemed like, it appeared to be. But when God comes, Come the glory on. of resurrection yeah. is greater than the glory of healing you from your sickness. Hallelujah. It is greater. Oh, Hallelujah. it's greater. It's greater. Yes. You think Sarah... Not bearing children until she was 90. People forgot that she could even be a mother. Mm. You know, there's a place you get to that it's like, you know, amen. Uh, That's it. God will wait. Know that when you're a friend of God, yes. he will sometimes put you in that place of waiting. Come on. Oh, because you're his friend. He says other people can't handle this, but this is my friend. I can make him wait because he can handle the weight of what I want to put on him. So it looks like other people have gone ahead of you. It looks like other people have left you behind. It looks like other people are succeeding. It looks like other people are seeing the manifestation of the glory. But God has you waiting. You're watching them. You're seeing them. You're witnessing it. You are part of it. God, what about me? But he has you waiting. He says, they that wait upon the the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. Not upon a man. Not upon a man. They that wait upon the Lord. Yes. Something happens. Their strength is renewed. Yes. Yes. Their strength is renewed. Yes. Their strength is renewed. Yes. He says they mount up. And I used to ask myself, God, why this order is interesting. Because it seems like it's regressing. Mm. I would have thought they walk and then they run and then they fly. But he says, when you wait on the Lord, he says your strength is renewed. At first you fly. Yeah. Like an eagle. Why? 
Because in that place, egos, what is it that identifies egos? The ability to see. They can see far. They can see far. So when you are waiting, he renews your strength because he's telling you, don't worry. This is not the end. I made you a promise. I told you what I will do with you. I told you where I was taking you. I told you what I had for you. I told you it's coming. You begin to see. You begin to see. You begin to see. You begin to see. As you see. He says, then they shall run and not be weary. And as they run and attend, he said, then they shall walk and not faint. The thing about walking it's so mundane. Yes. Walking is not exciting. Yes. Walking is not dramatic. Yes. We're just walking. But it says, walk with me. Mm. Walk with me. Walk with me. Every step with me. Go with me. Walking talks about, about stamina. Mm. Stamina. The ability to stay on the path. Mm. The ability to stay on the path. When things happen, what do we tell people? Just keep walking. Mm -hmm. Just keep walking. Stay on the path. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Wow. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. God's glory is at stake in your life. It is at stake. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. To what length will God go to get his glory? To what length? John chapter 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Hmm. Look at what Jesus says. Neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. To what extent will God go to get his glory? This man was blind from birth. This man was blind from birth. And the disciples were not wrong for saying this because their doctrine and their thought, it was right. Who sinned? Did he sin? But what sin could he have committed as a baby? He was born blind from birth. Or was it his parents? So is this payback or is this a curse that has come? Because sin is a reproach. They did something. Jesus said nobody sinned. But this happened so that the glory of God will be revealed. To what extent will God go for his glory? There are things in your life that even if you try to make sense of them, they don't make sense. Come on. It's like a job situation and his friends come and everybody's trying to justify why he's going through this. Job's friends, oh, you must have sinned, Job. You surely must have done something. God, this would not happen for no reason. Who sinned? Who sinned? Jesus said, nobody sinned. This was for the glory of God. There's things that you're going through. 
You don't know. You don't know how this is supposed to glorify God. You don't know. But I'm here to tell you this morning, just keep walking. Come on. Oh, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. He had an appointment. This man was blind from birth. For Jesus to give this answer lets me know he was part of the appointed ones that God had ordained for the ministry of Jesus that he was going to encounter this man. So God positioned him on purpose. Even though it looked like blindness from birth, he was a divine positioning for him to be a vessel, for him to be a tool or an avenue through which the glory of God is revealed. But man did not understand. But God told me something in his word. He said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Stop trying to understand what God is doing and just make up in your mind. Father, not my will, but your will. So if this is the path you want me to walk on, God, I will walk. I will encourage myself and I will walk. I will encourage myself and I will walk because I do not walk alone. I do not walk alone. You are with me. You are with me. I will keep walking. Tell somebody keep walking. Keep walking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep walking. Keep walking. Stop trying to understand what God is doing. Uh-huh. Yes. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to understand. Yeah. Hallelujah. Fire. This man was born blind. It makes me look back at things in my life. that I said, God, what? You would allow that? You would allow this? And God says, yes, I would. For my glory. And that's what's so hard for us to understand, you know? Because things that don't feel good or that don't seem good, we just, now that can be God. God, why? You think God doesn't see you? You think he doesn't know where you are? Right. The Bible says the hairs on your head are numbered. It's not that he knows the counts. He says they are numbered. So that means some hairs are falling off and others are coming. They're numbered. (laughs) They're numbered. I want you to reflect. It's not that he knows the hairs on your head by number. He says they are numbered. Wow. So good. They are numbered. That's good. He knows you. He knows what he is doing. And you've been fruitful. He said, I can trust you to be pruned so that you can bear more fruit. Yes. Yes. Amen. Sometimes the reward of God is the afflictions and tests he allows us to go through. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. Because it's a trust. It's a trust. Look at the things you've gone through in your life. You know, sometimes you don't think God is, God is the, the perfect teacher, the Holy Spirit, God himself. He teaches us step by step. He carries us through. Look at things you've gone through. There's things that sometimes other people go through and they're falling down and out. You look at it's like, 
That's all. You want me to tell you what I experienced? I'm serious. It's a trust. It's a trust. That's why God looks and he says, have you considered my servant Job? God is over here suggesting him, nominating him. He doesn't know. He's being faithful. Eschewing evil. He's being faithful. Doing his sacrifices. The Bible says he was a man that was blameless in the sight of God. He was a righteous man, an upright man. And God is looking and says, you're ready for double. Okay. I need to prune you. Oh my God. You know, sometimes I want to be more fruitful. The double to us looks like continued increase. You don't think of the pruning part. What we call all Job's situation and trials, that was Job's promotion process. It was his promotion. He was fruitful. He had been fruitful with whatever he had up to that point. And God says, I want to give you more. I want you to bear much fruit for my glory. I will prune you. That was pruning. That was pruning. That at the end of it, he is doubly blessed. Doubly blessed. But this dying thing is something we we don't want to go through. We don't like to die. We don't like to die. And so when I look again at this John 12 and Palm Sunday and everything we're celebrating today, Jesus is walking to his death. And there's so many things happening. There's so many people around. There's so many people with him. But guess what? He was the only one that was going to die on that cross. He was the only one that was going to die on that cross. You can have people around you. You can have your loved ones. But when it comes to what God wants to do in you, for you to bear fruit, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains alone. So you think you are not alone, but the Bible is telling you you are alone until you're willing to die. Until you're willing to die. That's when you can bear fruit. That's when you can bear fruit. Death is, it's lonely. It's lonely. You don't die with anybody. You don't die with anybody. And many of us, we're sitting here today saying, glorify thy name. Father, glorify thy name in our lives. But we have stopped short because we thought other people would be willing to die with us. Come on. We have stopped right there. Because we thought other people would die with us. That they will carry this with you. It's yours. It's yours. The glory that God has for you is attached to your death. You only. It was funny. I was even thinking of the vows that people make when they're getting married. And it says, till death do us part. So even your spouse is not willing to die with you in death you know till death do us part after death God called you he didn't call Call me me. (laughs) so you can go I'm still here 
You die alone. You really die alone. But we, we, it's not comfortable. I don't want to be alone. Like, let all of us go. Let all of us go. Hmm. But God sent me this morning, even for somebody, you're praying for your family. You're frustrated. God, I want them in the church. Why can't we worship together? My husband, my wife, except you die, you will not reap that harvest that you're praying for. The harvest that you want is in you dying. You have to be willing to go alone. I don't know why that was so heavy on my heart. Because a lot of us, even looking around this church, many of us would sit and it's like our loved ones are not necessarily here and it was a burden. You're frustrated. Oh, I'm learning about God. I'm growing in God. I want my loved ones. I want my spouse. I want my husband. I want my wife. God told me to encourage you this morning. Except you die, you will abide alone. So be willing to die. Because you reaping that harvest is attached to your death. You are the one. You're not here by mistake. You're not here on accident. You're here by divine appointment. You're here by divine appointment. God ordained for you to be here. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. But except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. God wants us to bear fruit. God wants us to bear fruit. But as lonely as it gets, the absence of man is not the absence of God. The absence of man is not the absence of God. Just because it looks like people are not there doesn't mean God is not there with you. Just because it looks like you're all by yourself doesn't mean you're all by yourself. That place of death, David says, though I walk through, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one leading me. He's the one leading me. Remember, he's the one leading me. I shall not want. He says what? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. Then he says something. He says he leads me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. What are these paths? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But he says something, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. 
And as I've walked through that place, then he says he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Then he anoints your head with oil and your cup runs over. So you see, that place of glory is on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. If you want to get to that table, if you want to get to that place of the anointing on your head, if you want to get to that place where your cup is running over, if you want to get to that place where you can say, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, you have to walk through that valley of the shadow of death. But that's why you needed to see. That's why you needed to see. So that when you're walking through the valley, you know this is not going to take me out. Because I saw something. Some of you forgot what you saw. And that's why where you find yourself today, you want to quit. You want to throw in the towel. But I'm here to remind somebody, what did God show you? What did God show you? What did God say to you? What has the Lord shown you? What has the Lord said to you? Because that's what's going to carry you through. He literally says he restores my soul. Before he strengthens me or before he sets me on the path, he strengthens me first. He restores my soul and then he begins to lead me through that path. You needed to see. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. As you see, then you walk. As you see, then you walk. Somebody said, if it's not good, it's not over. If it's not good, it's It's not not over. over. If it's not good, it's not over. If it's not good, it's not over. Hallelujah. God will be glorified. God will be glorified. I'm running out of time. Hmm. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Real quick, we're going to get out. We're going to pray. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I'll actually back up a little bit. Let's go. Let me see it in my Bible. I think it's verse 5. Go verse 5. Let's see. Okay, verse 3. Verse 3. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear. Lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Let's pause right there. God's glory, God's glory is at stake in your life. Paul is talking about an experience that he had. He says, I know a man who was caught up, up to the third heaven, and he saw things that were amazing. There were things that cannot even be spoken. 
And I almost want to glory in this, but I can't. I will glory in this man, but I won't glory in myself. Because of the infirmities that God allowed. As you read, it says that a messenger of Satan was given to buffet him. And this is amazing because as we are reflecting the glory back to God, this is where humility is so important. This is where humility is so important. When you know, God, I did not do this by myself. God, I did not get myself here. I did not carry myself through that. It was you. It was you. And so Paul, as amazing as the glory of God is on him, he reflects it back to God. Because he remembers, I couldn't even have sustained this of myself. I couldn't even have sustained this of myself. Not only in my carnal, uh, what should I say, propensity to be proudful, But God himself, in verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. As we are crying out to God, Father, glorify your name in my life. This is a very humbling scripture because it says basically in black and white that God will keep certain weaknesses or certain thorns in our life, even in that place of glory to keep us humble and dependent on him. To keep us humble and dependent on him. He said, I besought the Lord three times that he should depart from me. And verse 9 is this. He says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We think that God glorifying himself in our lives is bringing us to perfection or to a place where it looks perfect or to a place where it looks like everything is great or to a place where it looks like essentially we really don't need God. And God will never take us to that place. He'll never take us to that place. Even Job, when he recovered everything, he never recovered the original children. Even though he had another set of kids. That pain remains. The scars on the hands of Jesus, they're not erased. They're not erased. When Jesus rose up in glory, the scars on his hands were still there. The holes in his hands to this day are still there. 
It's a testimony, but it's also a reference point. It's a testimony, but it's also a reference point. I need God. I need God. I need God. I will not deceive myself or allow myself to fall in the trap of the enemy. To think in that place when God has lifted you. That you don't need the same God that rose you up to that place or lifted you there to keep you in that place. Just as he raised you there, you needed him. To remain there, you still need him. You still need him. And this is a trap for many of us in the body of Christ. Because when we get to that place, suddenly we don't think we need him. The glory is his, remember. He's only reflecting on you. He's only reflecting on you. It's his glory. It's his glory. And so many times, God doesn't take us there or takes his time to take us there because he knows that if he takes us at the time that we think we want to be there, we will fall. We're not ready. We're not ready. It's fun to pray for it. It's fun to ask for it. But can you handle the thing that you're praying for? Can you actually handle the blessing that you're praying for? The other day, a lot of times like, and especially in this social media world, uh, Papa Lo's TikTok, by the way, is popping. Okay? Amen. <laughs> it is popping. <laughs> and I stay in the comment section. It is hilarious. Okay? People have all sorts of ideas, accusations, name calling actors, this and that. I mean, it's hilarious. Like, I'll sit there with him and I'm just laughing. Oh my gosh, this person said this. But... The other day, I think this one was on Facebook. One, again, one of the testimony videos. And I'm just reading through the comments. And somebody said, don't be deceived. This is a false prophet. Is using uh, demonic powers or something. And for some reason, I look at the comments all the time. But that just pierced my heart. I, I did not understand why. It hurt me. Like, it actually hurt me. Like, I, I was like, oh my gosh, like, dang. And I looked at him again. You know, sometimes it's fun, yeah, big brother, Papa Lo, but I looked at the man of God. And it's the glory of God that radiates on a person can look so attractive. It can. But it's attractive both ways. Just as God is interested in that and will prune you because he wants you to be even more fruitful, the devil hates it. 
And sometimes the very people that you're called to and that you have been equipped for will be the ones will be the ones to hold that knife. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Everybody is hailing him. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were happy. They, they celebrated him. But just a few days later, the same people that he was called to, are saying crucify him. Crucify him. Because when they were saying Hosanna, they were saying Hosanna, it was attached to an expectation. It was attached to, attached to a performance that they wanted from Jesus. It was attached to him doing something a certain way that they wanted it to be done. But his assignment wasn't that. And when it didn't look like what they wanted it to look like, they said, we don't want you. Crucify him. Crucify him. And so I'm looking at Pablo and I'm just like, my God. You know, for us coming up as young ministers, and these are the realities that we're signing up for. And the way I felt the pain in my heart, I said, God, I'm not ready. God, I'm not ready. And those are just the ones we get to see. What about the ones we don't get to see? For God to give or lay or reflect his glory on you, it's a trust. Can you handle it? And yet there's no other way. He says the only way he gets glory is that we bear fruit. So it's either you're in it with him or you're not. You literally don't have the option of saying, I'm just going to sit and do my own thing. Then you're not even, you're not in the game. Yeah. He gets glory when we bear fruit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He gets glory when we bear fruit. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? Whatever it is, whatever it costs, there's roads that you will walk on that will be so lonely. Paul say, I die many deaths. I die many deaths. Daily, I die daily. For the glory of God to be reflected in my life. The days that we're going into, the option is not there. This comfortable Christianity, time is running out. Time is running out. And unless you gird yourself up and you begin to build yourself and strengthen yourself, you will not be able to sustain. I'm telling you right now. You will not be able to sustain. We have to come back to the place and say, God, what is your desire? That's my desire. I want you to be glorified. Everything in your hand that God has given you is a trust. 
And everything that he has given you is something that he desires to be glorified through. Is he glorified in your marriage? Is he glorified in your home? Is he glorified in your children? Is he glorified in your career? Is he glorified in your business? Is he glorified in your life? Your life is all of those things. Your career is not your own and then your church life or you serving God something separate. They're all the same. It's all your life. Is God being glorified? I want us to rise up this morning. And we're going to pray. I'm not going to pray for you this morning. You're going to pray for yourself. No, really. Because in meditating on this, I was seeing how some of us, literally this is the peak of our prayer time. When we come to church. When we are here, that's it. And so we don't even know how to talk to God. Out of that place of relationship, that's where Jesus came and said, Father, glorify yourself. And he says, glorify the Son, even as the Father has glory, as the Son has glorified you. This morning you're going to pray. This morning you're going to pray. Just close your eyes. And I want you to begin to remember the instructions of the Lord for your life. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? Just begin to meditate on that. The place where God has assigned you is intentional. So don't think, don't think there's no space or there's no place for you to do the thing that God has called you to do just because you think there's somebody else doing it. What has God called you to do? We're going to pray and the first thing you're going to pray is father forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you father forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you just begin to pray that before him sincerely from your heart forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you forgive me lord Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for not ascribing the glory back to you. What you've asked of me, what you've required of me, it's intentional. God wants to be glorified in your life. So every time you have not moved, every time you have not stepped out, every time you have not obeyed, you have robbed him of his glory. 
you have robbed him of his glory whatever excuse whatever voice that we bring up I was afraid I didn't think it was time I didn't think I could do it but he says his strength is enough we can do all things through him are you willing to obey no matter what it is because the path seemed difficult God I didn't want to walk down that road because the path was uncomfortable God I did not want to walk down that road forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you God forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you God forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you come on somebody from the depths of your heart Lord Lord every time I chose my own way every time I went left when you told me to go right every time I come up with a plan to do what you've told me to do rather than follow your plan to do what you told me to do forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you forgive me for not ascribing the glory back to you Jesus Jesus thanks for joining us we trust that what you have received today will change your life forever please follow us on social media at Prophet Lovi and Revelation Church LA for updates, events and teachings If you are interested in connecting with this teaching, head over to ProfitLovi.com or RevelationChurchLA.org and click on Giving. Revelation Church is located in Simi Valley, California and has prophetic service every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to see you there. Until next time, Shalom.